0: Welcome back. Welcome back. Happy uh, Epiphany. That's right. I went through the classroom today and did my Greek word of the day, which is roo, which is the verbal form of the Epiphany. Oh. It means I reveal. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The kids are pretty pumped and I'm really psyched about this. I'm going to start. It looks like we've got to figure out the details of how this works, but I think I'm going to start help teach theology. For our eighth graders. Really? Yeah.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Did that just happen today? Walking the school?
0: <laughs> well, I've been talking about it a little bit. And uh, I, was, I was like, man, I want to do this. And I had a good talk with uh, Tamara today and Andrew Beach. And I just, I don't know. I think it would be really good. I wanted to be in my eighth graders' lives more. And I think it's just good for them to have a priest in the classroom.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate. They probably know more than I do. but. Um...
0: All the parents feel the same way. That. Yeah,
1: seriously. Oh, that's awesome. That's fun.
0: Yeah. We got a couple of shout outs today. That's right. So first of all, today's my dad's birthday. It is? Yeah. Ed Larkin.
1: Oh, you didn't tell me that. Well, I just told you. Yeah, you did. <laughs> it's a shock factor of this podcast.
0: Ed Larkin. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Ed. I love it. I did not know that. Yeah, he's a great, he comes every year, January 6th. (laughs) And I had this little girl after mass, it was so cute. After mass on Sunday, this little girl came out and she goes, Father Brian, it's my birthday year. And I said to her, I said, Isn't every year your birthday year? (laughs) And the mom goes, She means month. I was like, Oh, okay. Got it. Helpful clarification from mom.
1: I appreciate the birthday year. I'm going to tell, I'm going to start telling Steph that. Yeah. It's time to celebrate my birthday year.
0: Birthday year. It is time to celebrate your birthday year. But uh, my dad, really quick, uh, Ed Larkin, happy birthday. We love you. And my dad is an RCIA. So what? he is. Right he's, now? He's, he's he's watching online.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so we're pumped about that. We're... Uh,
1: Pray for that. That's a long time coming.
0: It is. Yeah. So we hope, That's we hope dad uh, enters the church. That's kind of our, been a prayer. I know my mom has been praying for that for a long time and, uh, dad, come on in. The water's warm.
1: That's right.
0: And my dad, one more thing my dad's famous for is he, you know this, but my dad, whenever he comes to mass, he, his commentary on the mass always has to do with how long I went. (laughs) And it's always articulated in terms of how many overtimes we went into. Nice. And I'm like, dad, how's mass? And he's like, triple overtime today, but triple overtime. (laughs) (laughs) like So, you
1: know, what helps is that most uh, CU football games won't land during mass, except for like maybe a Saturday night game. Yeah. But it'd be a real conflict for him, I feel like.
0: Yeah. The the buff games aren't on Sunday mornings. Yeah. And he's not as big into, I mean, he likes the Broncos, but he's not as big of a Bronco fan as a buff fan.
1: I love talking to him about CU football. He, He knows way more than I do
0: he knows everything about it yeah i've lost track i used to when i was a kid i had like the the big cu teams that you and i joke about from the late 80s early 90s yep. i knew everything about them i knew i, I was kind of unhealthy i i knew like players like vital stats nice I'm like oh yeah. yeah you know he's he's six two, two twenty, 220 and he runs a 4-7 you yep. know and that was, that was a little bit much.
1: It's sort of, I mean, it's, uh, at least they were good back then. They were good. You know, those
0: were, those were phenomenal teams.
1: That's right. It's hard to not fall into that. Now it would be a little much.
0: It's kind of like that one year, our lady of Lords, bat- oh wait, no, it wasn't. Just kidding. <laughs> our kids, I think we said this on the podcast before. We have wonderful kids. We're not exactly known for our sports. But
1: I think the best thing you've ever said was the joke where, uh, in our gym, we have the banners of when the right? basketball team like won, you know, first place in the league. And then I was like, but it ended and it's been a while since we've had a banner and you, <laughs> I said, what happened? And you were like, that's when we went classical. Yeah. I was like, touche. Yeah.
0: yeah. There was, there was a game I was at where the parents started joking and they, we were getting beat up by you know, St. Mary's school for the blind or whatever it was. Yeah. And, uh, some of the parents started like kind of jokingly chanting our kids, know Latin or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) So it was sweet. We do. We had, that's all joking aside. We love our school. Kids are doing great.
1: And Ed Larkin
0: and Ed Larkin. Yeah. So
1: happy birthday. Happy birthday. My shout out goes to, uh, JJ and I believe it's pronounced menching.
0: Yes. He's, um, I don't know, but
1: I don't know either. And he's coming in from the Northeast. We got, he wrote just such a phenomenal email, uh, to rant at Lord's org, And it, you had, uh, you were like, Hey, have you seen the email? And I hadn't yet. And then when I read it, it was just, it just meant a lot. He took the time mm-hmm. to just kind of write in and, uh, you know, we appreciate that. Yeah. Really, Thanks for listening. Yeah.
0: And uh, yeah, just had some nice things to say, and um, I think he was talking about you and being a dad, that's right, and how fast it goes, so yeah look out,
1: and his kids, yeah, it was it's crazy. it is uh yeah. every time I go home, something new, uh Gianna has learned a new trick, so it meant a lot in his email. I was like, yeah, it seems like this is gonna go by way too fast,
0: yeah, one more um before we jump in. One more comment I have today is just ask for your prayers for Barbara Buchanan. So Barbara Buchanan was the head of HR human resources for the Archdiocese of Denver for a long time. And she helped me. She, so anyway, she died on January 2nd. Oh no, I just got an email today. And, uh, she helped me through some pretty tough situations and she was just great. She was helpful, but she was, she had a big personality and, uh, she was a biker, not, not like road biker in terms of like cycling, Harley biker. Harley biker. Nice. Yeah. And so we're going to miss her. She was a great gift to the, to the archdiocese and, uh, a prayer that she may uh, find eternal salvation.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. Good old Barbara. Good old Barbara. And then we'll come back. Seriously, you just, you went on a uh, little vacation with the companions.
0: Vacation with the so we call it Villa. Apparently the Jesuits have a vacation that they call it Villa. And still to this day, I know I said it on the podcast a bunch. People cannot ex- get their heads around the idea that priests can do vacation. They can't do it. Yeah. They, all, all anyone ever says is retreat. Cracks me up. I think you said it. I listened to the podcast with Julia and like, I think you said we were on, on retreat or something. Did I? I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen. I don't really pay attention when you talk.
1: I know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, if you did, I definitely, I definitely poked the bear a few times trying to make sure you would listen. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was good. Julie did a great job. She did. I was uh, pretty pumped on. You know, she's just such a honest and fun person that it's it's easy to talk to her.
0: Yeah. One of these days, though, when we bring her back, Julie, if you're listening, I I would push back on you a little bit. Oh, I love Um,
1: this. Where are we going?
0: Yeah. She was talking about how. It's really good to be out there and be in a challenging environment that makes you grow. Not going to a Catholic school, but going to, you know, CU Boulder, which is, you know, Episcopalian. That's right. And uh just kidding. But but my pushback would just be, uh, I gr- I don't disagree with that sentiment that it does stretch you. And I went to CU, as, yeah. as we all know. And it did it that for me. So I I agree with her at the same time. Uh none of us as strong as we think we are. And I just think we have to be a little careful about, like, you can put yourself in a place where you can say, yeah, I'm, I'm a Catholic and I'm normal and that's good. Yeah. But sin's real. And I just I just know, I think um, there's just a weird balancing act where we don't want our kids or ourselves to be cut off from the world and just be weird and isolated and kind of circle the wagons mentality. That's not healthy but also there can be a naivety sometimes of like, Oh, the world's a world and I can handle it and everything's fine. Right. Right. And that would be my pushback about the CU thing is I love CU. She's in a sorority. God bless her. Uh, I had, if if there's kids listening, you might want to censor this. But I have one story for you. Uh, So it might be a time to hit pause if there's kiddos in (laughs) in the car. But I was, when I was a deacon helping at CU, I think I've told you this story. Oh,
1: I, yes. Okay.
0: I was at the student center and I was doing, I was a deacon. And so I was doing spirit direction for a student and we were in an office and right across from the student center, there's a sorority and, and we're doing direction and we're like talking. And as we're doing direction, a bunch of sorority girls walk out on top of their house, topless to sunbathe. And I was facing out the window and this, it was a female student that I was talking to. And I just tried to like subtly say, I was like, Hey, could we, um, how about if you and I just switch spaces? <laughs> it was, it was, that was real. That, yeah. was, that was real. The I pride
1: even... of Boulder. Yeah, I've right. To... I need to not touch that. Yeah. Um...
0: It was that, that right, that right there is what you call. Trying to avoid the near occasion of sin yes is you know what if if something like that happens you say hey, gently and calmly is it okay if we trade spaces can yeah could I you know I, I want to look at the wall
1: that's right is that okay by you yeah. you don't have to call it out just uh yeah think of any and all
0: excuses but anyway, I'm that's impressed it. I'm glad there's Catholics up there. we do need that, but that would be maybe sometime Julia can come on and we can fight
1: yes yeah. Steph would be good at that too.
0: Steph would be good at that. She's she's a she's a dirty fighter though. She is. She'll bite you. She'll, She'll low bite low. your elbow. That's right. Yeah. I could see that. But anyway, so today we're gonna to talk a little bit about Pope Francis recently has been in the news coming out saying that couples who uh don't have children but instead have pets are selfish.
2: Yes. Adopt pets, right? Like uh yeah, I forget it what I forget the headline I read.
1: Um yeah, I'm excited because I feel like you and I initially when we just threw this topic out, it um, seemed like potentially a little bit of a differing opinion on the, the context of ooh, his quotes. You think so? I think so. Yeah. And I, I would say mine, um, I will preface my opinion on, I don't shy away from my thoughts. But there's a potential that I am the outlier in this scenario.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh,
0: you identify as a dog.
1: That's right. Yes. That's right. And uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm interested and would love to hear kind of your take when you first read it. And then um, we'll see if we're on the same page. Page on. That's right.
0: I didn't know what to say there.
1: That's-
0: <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> we'll see. We'll do we'll this. See. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on?
1: Well, I mean, for me, when I, so when I read it and, um, it felt like he had, had, when he made the comment of, (laughs) he was not supportive of those who adopt pets and instead should adopt children. And to me, that's a gigantic leap. Ah, like I get it. Ah. I get it on the surface and I think it, um, sounds like the right thing to say. And sounds uh like it checks all the boxes. But I just um I can't I, that is not a scenario where it's one plus one equals two. It's okay. kind of going
0: I see what you're saying. A
1: huge leap in I um, am smelling life.
0: what you're stepping in.
1: That's right. Yeah. And I have a feeling I might be stepping <laughs> yeah, into a whole world of trouble on this. A whole but world of hurt. I just I yeah. I have to be honest with it. When I read it, I was like, wow, okay. Like that. I get what he's saying, but I also am like, that's a stretch.
0: Yeah. I mean, that this is, this is an interesting topic, actually. It is. Patrick and I didn't really talk about this beforehand. We, we kind of do our podcast a little bit like I do daily mass homilies. (laughs) So Sunday mass homilies, I think are one of the most, I think both are important, but I prep like crazy for Sunday mass homilies. Daily mass just has a different feel. Daily mass, people go daily mass, I think there's something kind of nice about just simple homilies. Just here's what scripture's touching on today. Quiet and prayer. And that's, it's just different reality. So anyway, totally. all that is a preface to say, I don't prep for weekday masses. I sit in the presider's chair and I just listen to the readings. And, and then, you know, I'm going to be an arrogant jerk here. Cause I am one, but I've just, I've studied scripture enough we're almost always. *Screams* is so beautiful, and there's so many themes that I can just pull one out. And right. Kind of do that. Now saints, on the other hand, I can't. People are like, "Hey, Father Brian, you know, like yesterday was a feast of Saint John Neumann. I think you say Neumann, not Newman. I'm not sure, but he was a bishop in Philadelphia. <laughs> I know like nothing about him.
2: Yeah, I've you never know, heard a lot of our school
0: that. parents are like, "Hey, FB, like, tell me, like, what do you think about Saint Aloysius Gonzaga?" And I'm like, I don't know he's probably he's probably a good guy, yeah, he probably loved God in the Eucharist. that's know? right i mean that's that's about all I got for you. so our podcast though so we kinda it's a little bit like a daily mass we I don't I, really even prep that much
1: to provide more color to it too um it's, when you when you see f b go to uh daily Mass, it's also like 8 a.m. daily mass. 7:58. He's sprinting across <laughs> the parking
0: lot. Yeah, that's right.
1: And then somehow makes it right at 8 a.m. Um, and that is also our podcast. We are always like, yep. and it's both of us. But you know, it's all right. Cool podcast is at four. You know, if Ryan's not here, I come in at 3:59. I'm setting up the equipment. We're like, right. what are we talking about? So we want to talk about it. today. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But so, that's funny. Well, I will say this. So. With I get what you're going with that comment. Like it's a it's a big, like there's a big difference. I think one of the things that's that's underlies, and I don't know. I'm, right now I'm not I'm not going to pretend I, I haven't read too much on what Francis's full comments were, but I will say that uh, we've kind of turned marriage into into something where we've forgotten what it's about. Yeah, and so we live in a consumerist society in the United States. And and again, I always, I'm over caveating things. That's kind of how I roll, but I do, we should make a caveat here. Uh, A lot of couples out there have infertility Mm -hmm. and I meet a lot of them and it is a very painful thing for those couples. Right. When a couple can't have kids and I, and you never know, uh, until you're a priest, which you should become a priest in Denver because we need them. But, uh, you never know how many couples have that. It's much more common than I would have thought. It's, it's
1: wild too, um, especially just from buddies of mine and whatnot, like I feel like you hear, especially more in the secular world, of how you never hear about the people who are infertile, yeah. but instead it's like so many instances where someone's not married and they're now all of a sudden a baby's on the way yeah. and it just seems so automatic and candidly, um, trying to go through um, NFP and trying yeah. to wrap my head around that, yep, it is like the ultimate scientific equation trying to figure out that whole thing. yeah. And for Steph and myself, it wasn't automatic. And, and granted, in the grand scheme of things, Gianna came quick, which was totally, we were so open to um, and tried. But it it's a scary, stressful scenario. Yeah. That for us, especially where it was as as you are mentally prepared to want to have a child, but then it's one of those things where it doesn't happen, you have to wait four more weeks, then the stress starts to build and it gets like you get more and more in your head. Yeah. You know? So it yeah, it's so interesting to learn how common it actually is. And it such is a blessing common. to have a child.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, and, and so couples out there that struggle with infertility, that's a major suffering. And I think, especially, yeah. I think it is for everybody who has that, but I think especially at a place like Lourdes. So mm-hmm. at Lourdes, you walk in, and, and Patrick knows this, but at Lourdes, you walk in, and if you have fewer than four kids, you're kind of like the weirdo, <laughs> you know?
1: I, I've never seen a, like, <laughs> even if you go to like a national park, I've never seen as many Sprinter vans. In yeah, a parking lot, because the average of car, yeah, yeah, the average car won't fit the family. It's hysterical during car line where it's just giant sprinter vans coming yeah. through.
0: Yeah, there's kind of kids everywhere. Yeah, um, but but back to I think what Francis might be getting at, and even if he's not, I think a great a great way to look at this is uh, there, there's a book I read years ago called The Triumph of the Therapeutic. And I didn't understand it very well because it's a, it really presumes that, you know, modern psychology It's written by a a professor at, uh, I think the university of Pittsburgh, something like that. Somewhere, if it wasn't Pittsburgh, it was somewhere in Pennsylvania, but guy named Philip Reif. And from what I did garner from it, though, it was very interesting. And he has a great line in there where he says, you know, the Christian man asks, how do I become a saint? The modern man asks, how do I feel? Yep. And, and I think there's been this the shift in the the modern world, there's been a shift to look inward at ourselves a lot. And the question we ask now is not, how do I become a saint? Or what is my purpose in life? We ask a lot about how do you feel? And, and I think this relates to this question because Marriage is just about how you feel. Uh, It's like, ah, you know, I don't feel like going out today. And I think what, what Francis might be getting at is that I think written into the purpose of marriage is that you're supposed to lose your life and give it away. And I think we've, we've created this kind of consumeristic and I don't. this could come across harsh. I don't mean it to, but I just think in the modern world, we just have everything we need. And so we're kind of like, you know, which one of the one thousand things on Netflix are we gonna watch? Uh, you know, where are we gonna vacation this year? Do we want a kid or a puppy? Um, yeah, you know, they're both kind of inconvenient. But let's let's just do the puppy thing. And I think, I think Francis is hitting on something where we've forgotten what marriage is. Marriage is meant to be something that stretches you. Uh, and that really, I met with a guy today, uh, Justin, he's great. And he's got three young kids. And I was telling him about how important it is to connect with other people. And he looked at me like, FB, <laughs> that sounds cute and all, but I've got three little kids. Yeah, He's like, I'm not exactly like going out at night to like social gatherings. Right, you know? right. Um, and I think that's that's right. That's what's supposed to happen is that you're children are supposed to make us lose ourselves and to give our life away. But I don't know. That's kind of how it struck me when I first read Francis's
2: comments. Yeah, I think, um,
1: it's funny as you said that. So when I read it and I, you know, and I just took the headline and, and took that literal and thinking to myself, okay, it's a big difference to go, um, Having a puppy, which I have a dog slugger raised him as a, as a puppy. And that was tough. That was, you know, I was by myself, um, trying to balance work. And I remember I got him, uh, in December. So as a, as a puppy, you got to bring him out. I think it's for the first year they need to go outside to go to the bathroom. Um, the hour is based on how many months old they are.
0: Oh, really? So if you're
1: a month old, you go out every hour. It was something like that. It was something okay. he had to go outside a lot and it was just snowing all the time. And it was just the worst. Yeah, Father um,
0: Vito's kind of that way too. That's right. That's, yeah. I'm just
1: good old Father Vietold. um And, but then now, like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like I can leave for the day, sluggers and be fine. We got to be home in like six, eight hours, let him out. Right. All that kind of, all the above. But then now having Gianna and thinking sl- Slugger was tough to begin with, you know, now there is no scenario where it's, we're years away before it's like, okay, G you're by yourself, you know, or take care of the, the younger siblings or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. So the, the commitment of a dog versus a kid yeah. is so different, but I guess as you started to say that, it is a convenience factor when I think of it, like to go in and be like, okay, should we get a puppy or should we adopt a child? Yep. It's a gigantic leap. However, it's through my lens of convenience more than it is, um, the lessons you'll learn or, or the love of a child. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, it's interesting as you said that it is more of a a selfish factor when I'm looking at that and hearing yeah Pope Francis say that, and
0: I, and I think <laughs> that sometimes we can jump to extremes on this issue. So I'm, you know, there, there's very good Catholics out there that I would disagree with, who kind of have the mindset of so when, um, and Paul the Sixth wrote *Humani Vitae*, which is the modern Church's teaching on banning contraception, uh. One of the things he says in that encyclical, and the, the really the flowering of the teaching comes from John Paul II and Familiaris Consortio. Uh, I just wanted to say that.
1: I know in that last minute or 30 seconds, I literally <laughs> don't know what you just said on any aspect of those words. <laughs> so
0: so Pope Paul VI in 19, I think it came out in 1968, he wrote Humani Vitae, and, uh, which just means of human life. And it's a very short encyclical doesn't have a lot of meat to it, but Paul VI came out and said, Nope, can't use contraceptives. And he said, um, avoiding pregnancy that we're supposed to have like a grave reason. Right. So, so if, uh, and I'm thinking of Matt Rudolph right now, Matt Rudolph plays music here at Lords and he's the head of amazing parish and great guy. And Sometimes people in these conversations, they'll talk about avoiding pregnancy or achieving pregnancy and it makes his skin crawl. He, <laughs> oh, ha- he wow. hates that phrase. He's like, Oh, we achieved a pregnancy. He's, totally. like, he's like, is that like you like, you know, you have got a blue ribbon or something? Like, how do you achieve a pregnancy? A
1: star on the wall. Yeah, so I,
0: I and I I get what he's saying, but I just love watching him squirm with her. Totally he hates that phrase. It <laughs> cracks me up. Um but anyway, so you're supposed to have a grave reason. If you're, so if you're avoiding, if you, if you and your wife say we're going to practice natural family planning and we're not in a place to have, uh, children right now, you're supposed to have a real reason, a grave reason, a serious reason. And the problem is, is that nobody ever told us what constitutes a grave reason. Got it. Okay. So in other words, uh, you could um this is what's called the contraceptive mentality. John Paul II speaks about this quite a bit. And the contraceptive mentality is that, okay, well, we're not actually using contraception, but we're using natural family planning in a selfish way. Got it. So we we have the right means, but our intention is just selfish, right? We don't we don't want to have another kid right now because we really want that third home and You know, kids are just kind of messy and we just want to live a selfish life. That's the contraceptive mentality. Uh, And here's the thing. I'm one of those people who I think sometimes in communities like ours, people push this way too far. And they're like, they kind of say, hey, if you're not in like dire streets, you should be pumping out kids. If you're not, if you're in, if you're like, unless you're in a place where you're thinking, we're not going to make our house payment then you, you need to be having more kids. And I just disagree with that position.
1: What about, uh, yeah. Um, what about in the case of if you remove the third house, something that has been <laughs> very interesting. The third house. As I, especially in the role here and, you know, diving into all things Gala and just preparing for it and, and looking at our numbers as a school. Yep. Um, and if you do have one, you know, um, I would say a typical, more typical scenario is uh, mom stays at home. Yep. But if you're the reality of trying to send two, three, four, even one kid to Catholic school, yeah, it is very expensive.
0: It sure is,
1: right? So, and it's not to say like, okay, well, you're gonna avoid having kids because of it. But if it is like a timing scenario, like, how can we? <laughs> Yeah, you know, And at that point, you're still a couple years away from really facing that reality. But um, I do feel like there could potentially be real times that it would not be, I guess, more convenient, but it, like a real stressor on on all yeah, things. So,
0: so I think, coming back to this, like, what's a good reason where, where you say, we're just not in a place to have kids right now. And the church doesn't give... Really concrete guidance on this. The church doesn't say, "Well, here's here's six reasons that work, and here's six that don't." Right. Now we could. There are boundaries, of course. It's pretty obvious if you're if you're just like, I want to live in a bigger house or have a you know comfortable life. That's not a good reason, right? Um, at the same time, I I think something that and I think there's a good distinction we'll get to here in a second, but. One of the things is that God is not calling us to disorder. He does call us to generosity. And so I think this is a great thing for couples, you know, not being married, but I think couples need to talk to each other a lot about this because there is a tension between we want to be stretched. Like God, right? What Jesus says over and over in the gospels, that the key to happiness is that the person who seeks his own life will lose it. But the person who loses his life for Christ will find it. And even outside of Christianity and the Gospels, I think God built us this way in life in general, right? We think we're going to be happier by have. this is what, what John Paul II calls the law of the gift. He takes us from Gaudium at Spes. And I always forget if it's 22 or 24. I think it's 22. I always get that one. In, anyway, I'm being a nerd right now. But, any, but John Paul talks about how man finds himself and he's quoting the second Vatican council. Man finds himself only in a sincere gift of himself. It's the same thing Jesus is saying. Like, the irony is the only way I actually find my happiness in life and my fulfillment in life is when I give my life away. So on one tension, on the one hand, if you think you're going to find fulfillment by having a nicer house and another Tesla, yep. the irony is you're actually you're going to be miserable in the end. Maybe not... You know, day by day, moment by moment, in a surface level of happiness. You know, when you're you're sipping your uh, whiskey sour or you're old fashioned and you know, sitting in your gorgeous house looking out over Vale or whatever, that's gonna feel pretty good. But the 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 couple that is generous and gives their life away and has kids, they're gonna have a fulfilling life in a different way that's much more profound. And it won't feel like it in the first moment, right? When, you, when you've when you got eight kids running around screaming at you, you know, you're like, man, why didn't I become a priest? Okay, so that, that, that's one part is that we're called to generosity. And so I think a couple needs to be like, we need to fight to be generous and, to, and this comes back to the dogs and kids things. You know, you weren't made to live, to live a comfortable life. You were made to be generous and to find fulfillment and love by giving your life away. On the other end, and this is this is critical for me and I think a lot of catholic couples frankly miss this. I really do. You're called to generosity but not dysfunctionality. Generosity but not disorder. So in other words like here I think here's a good example. I just know this in my life. I'm called to really serve and be generous. But there is a place that I get to and I get that to that place probably a couple times a year at least where I've, I've given myself so much that it became unhealthy, right. That I was, I, that I just burned myself out. And what happens is I lose my joy. Uh, I lose, I'm actually not as good as a preacher or a counselor or a teacher or a confessor because I hate my life because I've just, I've absolutely given way too much.
1: Like you're spread too thin. Yeah, exactly. Okay.
0: Okay and, and right, I think this is why god this is why God commands a day of rest, and so you can't actually be generous if you don't have order in your life when you do have order, so if I'm taking my Sundays, ah, uh, and they're really what they should be as a day of rest in the Lord, but I'm sleeping well, I'm eating healthy, I can give myself in a way that's amazing. And it's, and it's more helpful to people. It's more generous. It's more life-giving and it's life-giving for me. So I'm going to feel stretched and this is where it's an art. But I just think, and again, I'm, I've am i only can watch this from the outside, but sometimes you meet families who are Catholics and they just think the answer is always more. We've got to have more kids. We We have to have more and more and more and more. And I don't think that's what God wants. God wants us to be wise and prudent, be generous. But if but if your wife's hasn't slept much in twenty years, because the kids are are up every two hours every night, and you're stressed out about your finances, and you don't you don't have time to really live a fulfilling life, you know I think that's that's too much.
2: Yeah, because I
1: I feel like, and I guess the question I would have is, it's one of those where it's like, okay, yes, less is more. Um, but also in that same vein, um,
2: trying to avoid the, um, like finances are real. And I feel like there's also a mental aspect,
1: um, that
2: can happen
1: where if you're trying to achieve less in the world today like it it's different when i think of the 1800s and you're living outside the stone walls of you know or whatever the 1500s of some siena in italy yeah like Uh, whatever it is and it's you know i feel like it'd be easier but if you want to live in denver yeah and you're a family and we call it the epicenter of Catholicism as you know so much stuff is going on here in Denver um and you want to live here but you have you're trying to live um in a way that you would read scripture and it's um really kind of just humble but it becomes hard and it becomes a stressor where it's like mom has to really put so much emphasis on the family dad has to go work like crazy Uh and then dad doesn't have um, much time with the kids or any of that kind of stuff. It sounds easy, but it's also, and then the other aspect I think too, is when you find yourself in that position, is there is something about living life in a way where you are kind of stretching yourself, um, emotionally and out of your comfort zone, Mm -hmm. which could also lead more to success as opposed to just being like, and I guess it comes down to the individual of what's your, what's your motivation and you're like, true desire, everyone's different. Mm-hmm. Someone wants to be a CEO, an entrepreneur, or someone just wants to go to every single one of the games that their kids is in. Yeah, And and that's, n- none of them are wrong. But um, I think it's just a question I've always faced, and Steph and I are facing with, how do you really strike that balance in what you're looking for versus getting home and being like, "Man, I mean, we got to pay whatever, the mortgage next month, or whatever it might right. be. Um, where it's uh it is a tough balance to strike especially in in certain areas yep geographically
0: it's really hard and i think i do think this is one of the areas though to be and i don't know i just again my my life is radically different from yours right totally yeah i i mean you know my life and i feel like i know yours pretty well and it's different for me as a priest but i do think it's good for families maybe and priests of course to intentionally look at what are things that we've kind of, we've have a learned necessity. Yep. I think it's one of the most dangerous things actually in modern America in our day-to-day life is that we learn to need things. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And we have all kinds of those. And, um, it's really painful, but I think uh, one like one thing that we can do is unlearn some of those needs. Yeah, and 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 almost always when that happens, it's really that's really hard. But I think it, I think if we take a hard look at our life, and if we were really honest with ourselves, I think there's things we can cut out. Yep, and we and it would be really painful for probably about a month. When I first—and this is way back when—it's different for me now—but when I first uh, stopped watching television, when I first didn't have a television, it was actually before I entered seminary. Um, man, that was hard for about a month, maybe six weeks. Yeah, it was super hard. I was like, "What do you do at night?" You know?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, if you don't have a TV, what do you do at night? Yeah, um,
1: stare at the wall.
0: Yeah, exactly. I just figure married couples just make out.
1: Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah, it's kidding. <laughs> No, we watch TV, I
0: watch TV, <laughs> but if you, that's cause you have a TV, but, um, but what do you do if you don't have a TV? And I actually think that's, that's one of the most practical questions of celibacy. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I want to say, I'm, man, I'm all over the place tonight. Sorry. I'm kind of balancing everybody, but I do think for, for celibates, one of the most practical questions you can ever ask is what are you going to do at night after everybody goes home and it's just you. Yeah, And you've got to, as a priest, you have to learn. And I think, I think married people, I imagine have to learn how to do something similar with this. Uh, gosh, am I all over the place?
1: <laughs> no, I get it though.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. It was, it was interesting as you're saying that. So we had a uh, horrific thing happen this last week um, here in the yeah, Northwest I mean, portion of Colorado, heading was, up towards Boulder. First ever. I mean. What? Yeah, for the state, it uh, we had crazy winds and a fire happened, and it was it's now called the Marshall Fire, and I think close to a thousand homes were burnt to the ground, and it's it's really. Steph and I drove by there the other day, which was really um, a contrast be- between. It is so depressing, and at the same time, such a sense of gratitude yep. in my own life of yeah. how quick things can change, and yeah. really focus on being grateful for what you do have it's super humbling right but in doing that or when that happened there's such a need right now for i mean literally these families have nothing some of them and if not most left they had to sprint out the house with what they have on their back yeah right and so they and then it snowed the next day so if you were in a t-shirt you run out next day it's pounding snow and you don't even have a coat, literally your house burnt to a ground. Right. And so I, um, tried to, I wanted to donate clothes Yep. and I was cleaning out my closet and it's really kind of the first time I've ever, I mean, it's funny. I was going through the closet and I was finding clothes, even like CU issued gear. I mean, we're talking 10 years old. Sure. twelve. um, stuff that I could probably sell on eBay as like a, you know, vintage t-shirt now. Right. And I know you and the companions, you guys do this where you purge once a year. And to me, it was kind of the same thing of like, there's no way I couldn't go without TV. And I just don't think I could purge. And it was really hard to detach. Mm-hmm. Like there were sweatshirts, not even this to you stuff that I haven't worn in years. Right. But I kept saying like, yeah, but maybe there's that one time I'm going to wear it right? and I don't want to let go. And it was such an interesting experience to just pack up clothes. I almost just had to look at it, throw it in the bag and move on and not like dwell on it. Yep. Um. But it was a very interesting experience that I had. And so when you say that too, of like always more always um, thinking you need that, but then the ability to go donate that and, and it was very, um, I didn't expect to feel the way I did. Um, how, how did you feel when I dropped the clothes off? Mm-hmm. Um, I had such a sense of joy. Um, and I really went into it with no expectation, not like looking for a thank you. I just, right. it came from such a generous spot of like, you know, I teared up instantly yeah. went and it, and it really hit home for me. My dad was in uh, he was in the hospital. So he was caught right in between the two fires and they had emergency evacuate him. And I was just thinking at the time, we didn't know if his rehab facility had burnt down. Right. And so all of a sudden I was like, dude, if my dad lost, he left and had to leave things behind. And it really hit where it was like, dude, I don't need this stuff. And somebody does. Yeah. And so it was such a, uh, I mean, candidly, it was just a great feeling but really hard in the moment. I mean, you could look at it and be like, this is going to be so great for people that are receiving it. But then as I'm doing it, I'm fighting myself the whole time.
0: Yeah. You yeah, know, I mean, I love it. I think there's so much there, you know, in the, in the, the Marshall fire, you pray for all those people. God,
2: Absolutely. God
0: and, and by the way, we should just mention here, there is a, the archdiocese has set up a fund to help people who have suffered in these fires what a great way to to help these families out and then there's right. emergency relief but we can all support those people uh who really did lose everything yeah um, so you can go to archden.org i don't know the exact link off the top of my head but uh but you'll you can find it from there archden.org and you can help support those families uh get them relief um, gosh
1: and as you're saying i mean the the mixed emotions to the whole thing Steph and I started playing it out of like, if you found out you're going to knock on the door in the fire department. Yep. And, and we have our house that we're comfortable in and all the above. And they said, you need to evacuate. You have three minutes to get out of
0: here. Yeah, what are you going to take?
1: What do you take? And it, it was such another humbling experience of just being like, okay, the couch gone, the TV's gone. Like, I don't care. Right. I need clothes for Gianna. And some diapers and we'll figure out the rest. Right. And you quickly realized like how we were like, yeah, we we lost everything in the house besides just the things that matter. Yeah. Fine. I'd
0: I'm be not. like, okay, can I take three boxes of books? I, Please.
1: <laughs> sir, do I have a uh opportunity to get a U Haul? I need yeah. to get all <laughs> of my right. encyclicals out of the yeah. closet.
0: <laughs> no, I I'd I let the encyclicals burn. Those are, I mean, most of them are so boring, but but my books, I would want to take those. That's right. I mean, those are, I think those are the right things, you know, and I, and I think it comes down to, um, uh, somehow we're supposed to be going somewhere in life and somehow the habits we develop along the way, we end up going kind of a different place, Yep. you know? And, and I think that's true for, for any vocation It's just true in America or in really any country. I don't think it's just America. This is part of human life but learning to go back to, and I think this is what Pope Francis is saying. What is marriage about? What is your life about? And, you know, the day, it, this is why the, the early church, right? Um, there's, there's this theme through Christian history, uh, memento mori, right? Remember your death. And it's a real, I mean, it, this is pushed so far. Some monks in medieval Europe I think this might still happen today in some places. I just don't know. But some some of the monasteries, when you became a monk, you slept in your coffin. Yeah. And so you enter, and they they you know, and that's a little bit extreme. But I might do that for our next parochial vicars. But you would sleep in your coffin. they would say, okay, here you go. This is what we'll bury you in when you die. And but what the, what it's meant to be is not to be depressing or kind of macabre or anything like that. What it's meant to be is if you think about your death and you think about it regularly, you're going to live a better life. That's right. And God didn't. And you know, I make fun of this at weddings. I don't know if I said this at your and Steph's wedding, but at a lot of weddings, I'll talk about how people today aren't getting married and real marriage. If we really understand what it is and that we've lost this, right? I mean, I could go off on this forever. We have lost this. Right. No one, people live together before they get married. Yep. They, they just go and have a party in the mountains and your cousin does the ceremony and nobody really cares about the wedding. It's 10 minutes long. What they care about is let's just go party in the weekend, you know, or for the, for the weekend. And cause you guys, this doesn't really mean anything anymore. Right. You've already been playing house for the last two years. Uh, and part of the sign of that is like, well, let's just keep the party rolling. We'll get a dog or two spice life up a little bit, but not fully. And, and I think Francis is saying, Hey, remember your death. Yeah. When you die, right. Aren't you, when you die, aren't you going to say, man, I had a couple great trips. Yep. Uh, I had some really, really nice dinners. I, you know, I had that flaming that one time. That was amazing. Th- the rich man who's comfortable and who never gave his life for anything. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy when I die. I want to be the guy, I want to die. I want to be the guy that dies and says, to use an analogy from the sports world, I left it all on the field. Yeah. I left it out there. I, man, I, I made my mistakes. I had my sins. I had a couple of years there where I was, I had my head at my rear end, whatever. But man, I gave, I gave my life away. Mm-hmm. And then I just don't think you're going to be on your deathbed. And if, and I think, and maybe some people are this way. When I do funerals, sorry, this is kind of preaching to you all now, but sometimes there's eulogies at funerals Yep. and I just, I'm fascinated by them because you have a, a certain percentage of funerals and the person up there doing the eulogy says, yeah, you know, uncle Bob, man, did he love the Broncos? <laughs> and they're like, they're like, you should see how many Broncos jerseys he has in his closet. And <clears throat> I might be a judgmental, you know what? but I'm kind of standing in the back going, is, is that what this person's life was? And, and not just sports, but people with eulogies sometimes, I, I get really depressed because they'll say, all they'll talk about is a person's pleasures that they liked. Yep. And I'm like, is that is that what your life was? Yeah. And then you have the other side, not the people who did something maybe that's like, going to make it in the history books, but the best ones, I just love it. There's really profound eulogies where you you have people get up and they'll say things like, you know, uh, grandma loved everybody unconditionally. And, you know, people who say, man, I was in a dark place in my life, but I knew that grandma loved me and always.
2: Yep. That's the kind of stuff. Remember your death Live a better life. Yep. Uh
1: I for me and as you're um what I love about that, and it's actually been it's funny you're saying that. I've actually been reflecting on that a lot. Um there's a another guy I listen to in the mornings. Um
0: Is it Father John nipple It's
1: it's not. It's a uh I mean I he's so hit or miss and and I um uh, I love him because he will not change for anybody. He's a big public figure, especially, I mean, in the secular world, um, businessman, but he always says, um, every morning he gets up and envisions, um, himself dying. Mm. And it sounds again, like sleeping, you know, in your coffin, but it really, if you actually focus on it, puts it in life in a perspective, right? Like I could be so stressed out about this gala. But from the standpoint of I want to succeed so bad because it's for the kids and the parents, yeah. right? It's not about me and I'm going to give it my best. But at the same time, if I'm staring down my death, it's like, I want to be the best dad I can be. And it puts priorities and things into place. Again, when you're you thinking about this fire, like, okay, the house is gone. We're yeah. out of here though. Family's safe. That's all I care about.
0: Yep. Yeah. And bike accident.
1: Yeah. I mean, even the bike.
0: A, that was a huge moment. Well,
1: something weird happened the other day. I and mean, when, as you're saying this too, talking about the eulogy things, I think that aspect of being able to focus on it every day, committing to it and, and thinking about your death yeah. and, and just being a good Christian man or woman that is grateful and generous to others. Yeah. Right. And it's so hard when you're in the thick of life. Just every day. Yep. But I found an old iPhone um, randomly as I was moving stuff around the house.
0: Isn't that an oxymoron? An old iPhone.
1: Yeah. Well, we're we're getting there. We're getting right? so we're okay. getting there. It was like one of the original ones from, and I had had it when maybe a year or two after college. And I charged it up. I opened it, and somehow I remembered the passcode. Probably because I always had the same passcode. <laughs> and it helps. Steph was there, and she walked in. I was teared up. Mm. And I had voicemails from my mom Oh wow! and my mom, obviously, you know, but my mom had passed away, uh, six years ago now. And I hadn't heard, heard her voice since before she passed, but what was so interesting about it when I'm contrasting that to focusing every day on myself and, and what that means in my life was even somebody as my mom, after she died, I'm at a place where I don't think about it every day. And I try, you know, so it's out of sight. And it wasn't until I heard that that I brought myself back there and, and again kind of put the whole world into perspective. Yep. But really, if it's every day I focused on myself or I can think about her and how quick life changed. Yep. But I can also say, like, in that moment, I started living like, okay, these things don't matter. These do. But then you fall back in the cycle. Yeah. And it's such an interesting perspective. Um, So, you know, when it goes back to the Pope Francis thing of, I think on the surface, it's easy to judge it from, okay, a dog would be easier than kids. And that's a big commitment. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, at the end of my life, I would rather look back and say, you know, I was the best dad, I could be best um, husband, all the above versus to your point, man, you know, (laughs) whatever it is, Australia was so fun. And then I worked the rest of the year, 80 hours a week. And I think it's interesting when you hear so many people, and now where my dad's going to be moving, it's such another humbling experience because when you talk to older people, how desperate they are for conversation Mm -hmm. and how you always hear them say the things they wish they wouldn't have done more so than the things that they're so grateful that they did. I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time at the office. I wish I would have spent, so it's so it is interesting and if you have that chance of really stepping up especially for kids that could have been aborted and or now facing adoption yeah um it's a it's a big burden but at the same like a big cross um but it is so rewarding
0: yeah and i think and i think pope francis again i can't read his mind and i haven't done my homework enough on this but Somehow you got to lose your life. Yeah. It might not be kids. Right. You know, maybe it's not.
2: Correct. Yeah. I mean,
0: I, it might be some other way, but some it's got to be something.
2: Yeah.
0: And I'll, I'll, when I talk to couples who are infertile, that's what I generally tell them. As I say, well, your guys' love, love overflows. It always it always overflows if it's authentic and real. Yep. And so if your love for each other is real, it's got to go out. Cause other way, and if it doesn't, it grows stale, by the yep. way. Yep. So maybe it's another way, you know? Maybe maybe you and your spouse, you know, if you if you can't have kids, you know, maybe you're attached to the Missionaries of Charity. And you you found a way to give yourself where you're working the soup kitchen and you're spending time with homeless people. Yeah. You know, you're, you're working at Bella or not Bella. Uh but uh, um Marisol. And you're like, "Hey, you know, <clears throat> uh our family, we have a commitment. My wife and I, my husband and I, uh, we just we just go cook dinner on Saturday nights for yep. the single moms at Marisol, who, you know, we all we all know like that that would be really inconvenient in the moment, and you'd probably love it, and you'd be like, why the heck haven't I been doing this for years? No question. I want to close with one last last kind of thought is that with dogs, I'm guilty of this, by the way. So on my desk right now, we have a gift from Deacon Trevor Lantine. He gave me, and it's um my my assistant Mary Rogers, her dog Seamus. Yeah, uh, we have socks that he gave me with Seamus's face all over them, and I love that dog. Yeah, I love that. I'm I am such a dog person. One of these days, I'm gonna get a dog. And so, all you dog lovers out there, man. And I don't see Slugger that much anymore, it. but I love Slugger. Yeah. I love dogs. And um there's something really good about dogs. They yep. they really are great creatures. They're, you know, they're they're good and beautiful and they're a great gift from God. But uh just have to point out my own my own my own kind of heart on this.
1: Yeah. It's it's tough. I will say that uh Slugger has you can tell he's felt abandoned now oh, yeah. that Gianna is in the picture. Right. And he just kind of, like, mopes around, and, and it's, it's actually sad every time <laughs> Steph and I are like, oh, man, Slugger, it's been four weeks since we've walked you. Like, we're just yeah. flying by the seat of our pants and enjoying Gianna, and now um, <laughs> poor Slugger. Uh, we, we're trying our best, though.
0: Yeah. my We watched Up. I watched Up with oh, the yeah. Rogers. I don't know, like, two months ago or something like that. Yeah. And – uh there's the funniest line that dog in that movie is hilarious. I don't know who does the voice, but the dog, <clears throat> when the, the balloons are taking off and they yeah. take the the house with it, the dog comes out and he like talks to the old man and he says, I slept under your porch because I love you. <laughs> 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 I'm just like, man, yeah, that's a dog. So.
1: No question.
0: All right. Hey, well, thanks everybody. Uh, happy birthday, dad. um, Be generous. Give your life away. Figure out a way to do that. You're going to die someday. And when you die, you want to know that you left it out on the field and that you loved God and you loved those around you, whatever form that took, but that somehow you lost your life out of love. And uh, we hope this podcast helps you think about that.
1: That's right. And just being grateful.
0: Yeah. I also pray for Patrick and me too, but our uh, school gala is a week from Saturday. We're in the final final kind of stretch here for this year. And uh, we got to raise a whole bunch of money for Catholic education. So if you can help us out with that, shameless plug, we'd love your help. Absolutely.
1: Yep. And if you're in Denver, come attend. Come attend. It will be a fun night. And uh, again, at the end of the day, it's for the kids, tuition assistance, and help us run this school because it is not an easy task.
0: Amen. All right, everybody. We
2: will see you next time.